It is the off-season, and there is a lot to get into on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Welcome into this episode. I'm Farzee Masugin, your host of the podcast. Appreciate all of you guys for downloading and listening to the show. A lot to get into on this episode. Of course, all 32 NFL teams now in off-season mode. The Super Bowl completely done. The celebration is going to be taking place today in Philadelphia. And that is where all 32 NFL teams will now be in the offseason mode. A lot to get into as Josh McDaniels scorned the Indianapolis Colts and how this impacts the, the Kansas City Chiefs, believe it or not, even though the Chiefs are not a direct party of what just happened here with Josh McDaniels' action, it does make an impact on the Chiefs. I'll tell you guys how later on. And maybe there's a possibility that something similar could happen to the Chiefs. It may, it may not. This is just pure speculation on my part. I know there's an article about it on NBC Sports, and I asked uh, a scout about this, and he said this is not out of the realm of possibilities. I'll tell you guys what that is and what could happen. Again, just pure speculation. Nothing to get up in arms about, at least not yet, but something similar did happen to the Chiefs a few years back. We'll talk about that. Later on in the podcast as well, one Chiefs assistant coming out of retirement and going elsewhere. I'll tell you who and where he is going. Plus, I did mention in this episode, I do want to take a look at the Chiefs season recap as well as recap the NFL season. Plus, look ahead with Kansas City's personnel. We didn't do that last week with the Alex Smith trade, and I think this episode would be a perfect time to do that. And as always, we'll wrap up the show with the closing segments going around the NFL, out of bounds, and I'll do my penalty flags I promised on this podcast that I would talk about my weight loss, uh, something personal I shared with you guys on uh, on, on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we'll do just that. So basically how the show is going to work, as normal, we'll do the show and then we'll do the closing segments. After the closing segments, that is when I'll talk about my weight loss. So if you're interested in that and you want to you wanna hear more about it, and the reason I'm opening up about this is because, uh, and I said this last podcast... We really do deserve to give ourselves uh, the best body possible. We deserve to be in good shape. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to have uh, a healthy life. And that, that is something I struggled with for a long time. And now I feel better than ever, in the best shape of my life, and very healthy. I know a lot of times when you hear these kinds of things, people say these kind of things just to reel you in. But then they ask for crazy payments, and they have you do all sorts of crazy things, and I'm here to squash all of that. So anyone that does need help or, or is looking so, for some sort of advice or motivation, I really want to be able to provide that uh, because something like this, I feel like if we can spread this out as, to as many people possible and get the word out on these kind of – because I've, I've got a lot of questions about this and I'll get into it later. But a lot of people keep asking, you know, well, what's the secret? And there really isn't any secret to losing weight or having a better uh, – a healthier lifestyle, a better body. And I'll get into all of that afterwards. So if you are interested in that after the closing segments, hey, stick around. I'll talk about that. Uh, I'll save it for the end of the show. Uh, so for those who are not interested in any of that, that's okay. Not a problem. Uh, you can simply check out after the penalty flag segment, essentially, at the end of this podcast. So I'll talk about all of that in the end here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. But first, the biggest story after the Super Bowl, oh boy, it's Josh McDaniels and what he did with the Indianapolis Colts. And a lot of people are very shocked by this. And Josh McDaniels is getting a lot of heat for what he did too. I mentioned this on the Facebook page and on Twitter. And you guys had a lot of great responses to this. This really was one of our most discussed topics 
this week. And by the way, I forgot to mention the social media, facebook.com slash Farzifisugian. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevisugian.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Share the links if you enjoy the podcast. Share it with a friend and let them know about the Chiefs Zone podcast. But as far as McDaniels goes, uh, this is uh, not something... I mean, we see this maybe once in a while. But with someone who has a big name uh, like McDaniels does, of course, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, got off to a great start with them, and then things kind of dwindled down, and you didn't see a, a lot of progress made with that football team when they let him go. Uh, was with the Rams for a little bit, then went back to New England and, and has done a lot better then. Like what every assistant is supposed to do after their first failed attempt as a head coach in the National Football League. So obviously he's he, he he's gradually gotten better and now here he is sitting as an assistant, one of the best assistants that should be a head coach in the NFL. Uh, and his name has been thrown out there for many head coaching gigs. Ever since the regular season ended, and very early in the postseason and during the playoffs, and because the Patriots had a bye week, of course, it's a little easier, and these assistants have a little bit more flexibility. They're still preparing, but they have a little bit more flexibility in terms of meeting with teams uh, during a bye week in the playoffs. And generally, these teams will go out to where these assistants are because most of them are still preparing for games. Uh, generally, these assistants that do get picked up, they are still in, uh, the, the, they're still active with, with football in the postseason. So uh, the front office guys, they usually have to make it out to where they are. And of course, considering the money that these NFL franchises have, it's, it doesn't cost a whole lot to do that. But that's really how that part works. And I'm sure multiple teams met with Josh McDaniels as guys like uh, Matt Nagy, Former Chiefs offensive coordinator, I'm sure he met with a couple of teams before accepting a job with Chicago. Same with Matt Patricia, the former defensive coordinator of the Patriots, now with the Detroit Lions. But Josh McDaniels told the Indianapolis Colts, I guess this was a verbal agreement, because by rule, they cannot sign anything. There cannot be any ink on paper. And therefore, this could not have been official until after the Patriots were done, which... Obviously, it was after the Super Bowl, and regardless, win or lose, you know that is McDaniel's final game, so the official, yeah, pretty much the Colts, they had a press conference set up this week to introduce Josh McDaniels, because uh, obviously, there was no, no, no more games after the Super Bowl. So they had all of this planned out, because Josh McDaniels was their guy from the beginning. And here's the other thing, teams are always very tight-lipped about these unofficial moves because they know they, they don't want major distractions they know that these assistants are trying to focus at the, the task at hand and they want to respect that which is always appreciated so uh, i mean a team like the colts they, they kept very quiet about this uh and generally when you see a rumor that doesn't end up coming true teams will always just turn down all these uh questions about if a guy was supposed to come to a certain team or a player and they'll just shut it down and move on to the next question from the media. But, oh boy, Chris Ballard, former Chiefs executive, he did not hold back on any of this. He was open and honest about a lot of things that went down here in the meeting between the Colts and McDaniels. But basically, McDaniels was ready to accept it. It's funny, I got a Bleacher Report notification on Tuesday that he did accept 
officially the Indianapolis Colts have only a couple hours later to get notifications that he decided to not go to Indianapolis. And at first I thought this was some sort of a a, a misprint, a, a, a typo. I, I This had to be some sort of a joke. I, I actually, I, I legitimately, legitimately thought that this was either fake news or something to the effect of how it, it just had to be wrong. So I look up the details. Of course, I, I do a Google search and uh, it's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. And everybody has nothing but bad things to say. About McDaniels, and rightfully so, man. I mean, Josh McDaniels, what he did to the Colts was a very crappy thing. You know that the Colts, they could have hired other people, or at at the very least, even spoke to other assistants, other candidates, but they had their guy on Josh McDaniels, and they verbally agreed on all of this. So, they are doing the right thing, in which they're waiting for New England season to end. And look, realistically, if you're the Colts, you know New England season is not going to end uh, very early in the playoffs. It's probably going to be in the Super Bowl. So, obviously, you have to be patient there. And while this is all happening, while the postseason's continuing on from the second week of January all the way until this, this past weekend, which is a month, really, all of these other assistant coaches are being hired. And for McDaniels to just give the middle finger to the Colts and take off and say, see you later, this is just surreal. For an NFL coach, an assistant coach, to do that when he had verbally agreed to this. Now, a lot of people are talking about whether or not he maybe learned something about... Andrew Luck, and I'll get into Andrew Luck a little bit later on in the podcast because I think that's a very important story to touch on. NBC Sports had an interesting article about it, and I definitely want to get into that later, but you agree to take this job. The Colts stopped interviewing other candidates because they knew they knew who they wanted, and this has already damaged a lot of working relationships. For one, Josh Mc- who in the hell is going to trust Josh McDaniels ever again? What NFL team is going to take the risk of wanting to take the time to meet with McDaniels and want to hire him only for them to get the same treatment and, you know, be patient and wait for his season to end with New England next time, whether it's next year or the year after, and only for them to have the same thing happen to them. So McDaniels has all, he's already got a bad look with the rest of the NFL. A lot of people thought he was staying because maybe it meant Belichick's retiring. Belichick announced he's coming back, so that's not the case. Maybe he was promised a future head coaching gig in New England. I don't know. That could be it. And I'll get into that part a little bit later because there's something very interesting about Robert Kraft that ties into all of this. But Josh McDaniel's agent, Bob Lamont, has terminated his working relationship with McDaniel's. McDaniel's told Lamont that he was going to reject the Colts' offer and go away from it, back out of it. Lamont told him not to do that, but McDaniels ended up doing so. Colts general manager, and as I mentioned, former Chiefs executive Chris Ballard, uh, he went went into detail about all of this in the press conference. Not going to go into the whole uh, presser about it, not going to go over the details, but he did say the rivalry is back on at the end of his press conference, which... The media got a nice chuckle out of it. Uh, this leads me to what Adam Schefter tweeted. He tweeted that he got a text from a league source 
saying that Kraft wants to do everything possible to, quote, expletive over the Colts due to Deflategate. Now, of course, as you guys may remember, a couple of years back, the Colts and uh, Patriots had an AFC title game. The Patriots dominated that game. That was the Deflategate game where it was reported that 11 of the 12 footballs were... I, I, we're deflated, pretty much. Uh, they did not meet the PSI requirements, but I, I, here's what I'll say about all of this. And I know the I know Patriots fans. They're very. I mean, this is a sensitive subject for them, and I know for for even Patriots players, uh, coaches, front office execs, this is a very sensitive subject for them too. Let me just say this real quickly because I don't want to get into this too much, but. Tom Brady was asked to have his phone checked, and and if I'm not mistaken, the reports did say that Tom Brady's lawyer could look over the phone because Tom Brady's got a lot of people on his phone that he does not need to be sharing this out. Obviously, his wife Giselle Bundchen, and uh, I, I can't think of a lot of Boston celebrities off the top of my head, but surely a lot of players on the team who are also big name celebrities, maybe some Red Sox players who are also big named David Ortiz. Surely a lot of celebrities on there. Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, guys who are celebrities who are well-known Patriots fans. So surely there are a lot of people who who, who Tom Brady uh, has their numbers on his phone. So I can understand Brady's uh, side of it not wanting to hand the phone over. Uh, but the, if the judge did say that, you know, the lawyer can look over it. And when you're in a situation like this where you want to get out of trouble, now look in the in long term speaking, it didn't bother the the Patriots much. They won the Super Bowl the same year Brady was uh, suspended, so uh, not too big of a deal. Uh, all all I'm trying to say is, look, uh, the Patriots were given so many opportunities to cooperate in all of this, and they didn't. And if they really were innocent in all of this, all they had to do was cooperate. That's th- that's all I want to say about that. Now, I did mention at the beginning of the podcast, how does this even relate to the Chiefs? Well, now that the Colts are back to square one, uh, and uh, unfortunately having to do so on, on in February, there is a possibility that a Chiefs assistant coach could now be a candidate to become the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and that guy is special teams coordinator Dave Tobe, who has done a great job with special teams for a long time here in Kansas City. Of course, we've seen him do great things with Dustin Colquitt, Cairo Santos, Harrison Butker, Tyreek Hill, Niall Davis. Uh, and we've seen so many great players on special teams. And a lot of credit goes to Dave Tobe. I know a lot of people might might be thinking, well, you know, what what major differences do we see in punters and kickers? I, I mean, shouldn't it all be the same regardless of who their uh, coordinator is? Well, sure, but at the same time, there are always a few techniques that can be taught to these guys, even punters and kickers. And we've seen Kansas City have some really good seasons, uh, especially with Cairo Santos and Harrison Butker, each of them ha- holding some notable franchise records. Butker breaking some of Santos' franchise records here in Kansas City. So it really shows you just how valuable Dave Tobe is. And for a long time, he's been rumored to be a head coach in the NFL, especially in Chicago, where he was the special teams coordinator when Devin Hester uh, become a big name superstar on special teams, breaking a lot of special teams records. So uh, his name's been out there for a long time. So it's no surprise that he is now his name is coming up as a possible candidate 
for the Colts. And I said this on on, on Twitter, but this is just this is pretty hard to uh, to take in. I mean, the Colts they they stopped interviewing candidates and waited for the Patriots season to end because they wanted McDaniel's, and because the Patriots season lasted all the way to the Super Bowl. All of these other viable candidates have been hired at this point. Uh, that's not to say, and, and Ballard said this himself, that's not to say that there aren't good uh, assistants out there who can't be a head coach. I mean, Dave Tobe certainly could be a head coach in the NFL. A lot of people have been saying that about him for a long time. Uh, and I'm not saying that at all, but I guess the guys who are more coveted by all of these NFL teams, those guys are now long gone. So maybe maybe the Colts really wanted a guy like Matt Nagy, but they felt better about McDaniels and wanted to wait for him. And I'm only using Nagy as an example. I don't know if that's true or not. But this is what McDaniels did to the Colts. I think at the end of the day, when you're in an industry like this, if you have two job interviews and you've got they both they're both offering you the position you just got to decide where you want to go well you owe it to both companies letting them know which one you're going to join and which one you're not going to that way the company you don't join they can move on and find their candidate at least especially if they value you to the point where they're offering you a position value that at least appreciate that and let them know if you are going to turn it down uh, again, I, and I'll get into this later, I don't know if Josh McDaniels learned something about Andrew Luck, as we've all known Andrew Luck's status with with Indianapolis, very uncertain right now, but this is a situation where NFL teams are going to remember this forever, and it may not ever fade away for Josh McDaniels, and that is something he's going to have to live with. If he ever wants to be an NFL head coach again outside of New England, well, all of the 31 other NFL teams, if they're ever looking for a head coach, Josh McDaniels, he's probably going to be on on the very bottom of a lot of their lists unless they absolutely feel like he's the right one. And even then, they they certainly might know in the back of their heads that they could be taking a risk on putting all their marbles on this guy, waiting for him for for his season to end if the Patriots again continue to have long postseasons. And it could come back to haunt them. So uh, this is just a bad situation Josh McDaniels got himself in. Hopefully for his sake, he has been promised a head coaching job with the Patriots in the future. Because of the whole uh, Robert Kraft situation where he wants to continue to screw over the Colts, I'm guessing that could be the only logical thing here is that Robert Kraft promised McDaniels that he will be the head coach after Belichick leaves. Uh, That's the only thing I can think of. Now, I mentioned earlier, something similar like this can happen to the Chiefs this offseason. Now, as we all know, Kansas City last week traded Alex Smith to the Washington Redskins for a third-round pick and for cornerback Kendall Fuller. Now, obviously, this trade is not official. This trade cannot be official until March the 14th. The problem is, because this cannot be official... There is a possibility that the Redskins, hearing all of the reaction, listen, I don't care who it is. Nowadays, with how big the internet and social media is, whether you're on Twitter or not, everybody, all of these players, front office execs, they know if there's criticism, heavy criticism surrounding them. And then the Redskins got torched 
by their own fans and by the media for this trade. Listen, we're just a a week into February. March 14th is still more than a month away. So the Redskins can easily just pull the trigger and say, not so fast. We're going to go ahead and back out of this Alex Smith trade and we're not going to do this trade with you guys on March the 14th. Or maybe they can demand uh, something else. Uh, Maybe the Chiefs will have to sweeten up the deal a little bit in order for them to continue through. Or maybe they will will ask the Chiefs to settle with a different draft pick. Maybe even take Kendall Fuller back at this point, which hopefully is not the case. But this is a possibility. Now, is it going to happen? I doubt it. However, at the same time, I mentioned this on uh, on Facebook, and I believe it was Tanner on the Facebook page who mentioned this, facebook.com slash Farnsley and he did say, remember Emmanuel Sanders. I, I said, that's a great point. Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver who was supposed to come to Kansas City, ended up going to Denver. We all remember a very similar situation with Andy Reid, actually. Again, another great example. Andy Reid was... Set in stone reported that he was going to either the Chargers or the Cardinals, and the Cardinals ended up being the team, again, according to reports, and then he somehow ends up in Kansas City instead. So, and again, I don't know the details to that. I know it's not a similar situation like McDaniels scoring the Colts. Uh, Certainly that was not the case with Andy Reid and the Cardinals, but that is a situation where, again, Things were not official. Uh, there was no uh, ink on paper, so to say. Nothing was signed, set in stone. And th- there was still a possibility that Andy Reid could have gone to another team. And, of, of course, we know he came to Kansas City. Again, I doubt this whole Alex Smith trade could be voided. Uh, I, I don't see it happening. A lot of people are saying that if the Redskins do pull this kind of move, similar to what Josh McDaniels did, not a lot of teams would be willing to do trade uh, business with the Redskins in the future. In fact, not many players would even be willing to consider Washington in the future if something like this were to happen. Now again, one of the bigger reasons I say I doubt this happens, the Redskins and Alex Smith have reportedly already agreed to a four-year extension. And that that, that really says a lot. And I think when you have this many wheels in motion... It pretty much means it's going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say it's 100% for sure, guaranteed, no turning back. I'll say 99%, of course, but I will give that 1% chance that maybe something like this could happen where the Redskins pull a Josh McDaniels and back out of this trade. Again, very slim, but uh, if I've learned anything, <laughs> I mean, if anyone who has, who has watched sports for a long time has known anything, and I'm, I haven't watched sports as, as, as long as several others out there, but eventually you just pick up on the fact that you just never assume things are always going to go as planned. You just don't do that anymore. So hopefully this all happens. I think it does, but sometimes you got to expect the unexpected. Speaking of the unexpected, Brad Childress, who was an assistant coach here in Kansas City ever since Andy Reid got here, he announced his retirement this offseason after the Chiefs lost to the Titans Except it is now being reported that Brad Childress is expected to come out of retirement and go join Matt Nagy in Chicago as an offensive consultant. Not a coordinator, 
a consultant, kind of oversees the offense, doesn't necessarily coordinate or call the plays, but is there still as an assistant coach there to kind of manage the uh, offensive coaching staff and the offensive personnel uh, in a different manner. So that is the report uh, from several outlets about what Brad Childress is going to do. And I don't really know what my takeaway from this is. Maybe it kind of makes me wonder, why is it that Brad Childress retired and is now apparently coming back just to go follow Matt Nagy, a a Chiefs assistant who he was a co-offensive coordinator with for one season here? Kind of makes me wonder if there's maybe a negative working relationship going on with the Chiefs coaching staff, with Andy Reid. I don't, I don't, again, this is just speculation, but it does seem kind of kind of weird that Brad Childress would announce retirement only to come back and go follow a recent colleague of his. We all knew where Matt Nagy was going shortly after the, ti- the Titans' loss. So why is it that Brad Childress went, went about all of this in this route? Maybe he gets asked about this by the time he gets to Chicago, but that is uh, definitely something to to think about. I'm sure Andy Reid uh, will be asked about this by the media next time he is available for a press conference. All right, let's take one moment and just kind of look back at the 2017 NFL season and also Kansas City season. Let's start with Kansas City season. Obviously, uh, the NFL season got off to a crazy start when Kansas City went out there and pulled off a major upset against the New England Patriots. I want to come back to that upset later on. But the Chiefs defeated the Patriots. They defeated the Eagles, the two teams in the Super Bowl. And they got off to a 5-0 start to the season. Last NFL team to drop a football game. And the Chiefs have done this four times since 2003. However, for whatever reason, these four times uh, being the last NFL team to lose a football game they have zero playoff wins to show for it. Could have won a playoff game in 2003. They were dominated in 2010 after winning the AFC West. In 2015, after a 1-5 start, uh, they did get a playoff win. Uh, they won 11 in a row to finish the season. Uh, never have won 10 in a row before. A couple of years before that 2013, we all remember the magical season. The Chiefs turning around around. From a 2-14 season to a 9-0 start. And then this year, uh, this past season, starting off 5-0, the last NFL team to lose a football game, only to bounce in the very first NFL playoff game of the 2017-2018 season. Now, we all know about Kansas City season. They started off 5-0, ran into a brick wall midway through the season, and just looked really bad for quite a long time. And that led to a lot of people, including myself, calling for a switch at quarterback. And then all of a sudden you see this team kind of returning to the form it had earlier in the season. When the when the Chargers and the Raiders all caught up with a three-way tie for first place in the division. That's when the Chiefs finally started to refocus and got back on the right track and started winning all of their games. They finished the season on a four-game winning streak, including a Week 17 game where a lot of backups, including Mahomes, played uh, in a game that was really meaningless in terms of the standings and the seedings for the playoffs. Now, a lot of talented players on this Chiefs team. A lot of players to to, to really be excited about, especially for the future. Uh, Sony 
pro bowlers across the board, so many all-pro players, uh, whether it's this season or years past. I mean, we can go down the list real quickly, uh, starting with Tyreek Hill, who I think was probably the most exciting player for the Chiefs this season, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, uh, Albert Wilson, a guy who I think definitely made some strides this season, looking at the defensive side of the football. Uh, you got a lot of players. Eric Berry hopefully making a comeback. I know his season was cut short, but even then, Kansas City was still able to do some things, not necessarily on the defensive side of the football, but still, though, not allowing teams to light up the scoreboard on a consistent basis. Uh, They had trouble with that in a couple of games, but it wasn't like something uh, that, that would go on each and every single game. But as far as defensive stars, Marcus Peters, I know he had kind of an up-and-down season, and he had some off-the-field issues, which I'll get into shortly. Uh, Justin Houston, not necessarily the greatest year for him, but still was one of the key players on the defensive side of the football for the Chiefs. Derek Johnson, again, kind of an up-and-down year for him, too. Tom Mahali, not a great year for him. So defensively, uh, uh, this team took a step back. Special teams, a lot to be excited about, of course. Tyreek Hill, uh, not... The most dominant on punt returns, but did have that one touchdown against the Texans. Akeem Hunt did fairly well, uh, was fourth in kick return yards for a majority of the season. Kick return average yards, that is. And Harrison Butker, I think one of the better stories for the Chiefs this season. Uh, being picked up off waivers from another NFL team. and uh, Or off the practice squad, rather. Excuse me. Big difference there. And uh, came into Kansas City and did some terrific things. And... Uh, Broke a couple of records, as I mentioned earlier. So, some positives, some negatives to take from it. I think what what shocks me the most about this 2017 Chiefs football team that managed to win a division with just 10 wins, this football team made a lot of improvements offensively. They weren't consistent the whole time. And if they were, think about the fact that they had a 4,000-yard passer and... A running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end that amassed 1,000 yards each. How much better that could have been. And a lot of that falls on Alex Smith. Defensively, when Justin Houston was set to come back for a full season, uh, I mean, you just had a lot of high hopes. And even though Eric Berry was out, this team did a great job defensively without him in 2014 when he had to cut his season short that year. 2014, and I've said this before, you may remember, they did not allow 30 or more points in any game in 2014, even when they only had Eric Berry for, what, six games that season, if I'm not mistaken? So, I did not see Eric Berry's absence as much of an excuse here. But for whatever reason, this Chiefs team, uh, offensively, got a lot better, defensively, took a major step back, and this team has not been able to find that balance ever since Andy Reid's gotten here. And that is the biggest thing for Andy Reid. Find a balance with this football team and you'll find ways to win. Now, the balance thing doesn't even come into effect with these playoff losses to the Colts and to the Titans. They were blown leads that had nothing to do with balance necessarily. The team just got way too complacent in the second half of each of those games, and we all know what happened then. I don't need to get into the details of those games, but you get the idea. Uh, just did not look good for the Chiefs. Uh, could a more balanced team in the regular season lead to better success in the playoffs? Uh, surely. And now look, I, I know I, I mentioned the second half of those games. Surely there, there's a balance issue there. There's no doubt about it. 
But you can't use that as an excuse for blowing the lead. I mean, it's really not an excuse. That's really what happened. There was no balance. You could not stay consistent. And that's why the Colts and the Titans came back the way they did in those two games. Now, as far as off the field goes, we all know about Tom Bahali, uh, the rant he went on early uh, before training camp. Uh, just kind of looked weird for a lot of people, especially considering he was ranting about something that happened six, seven months prior with that Steelers game. Marcus Peters, uh, obviously some crazy things with him. The the protesting he got criticized for quite a bit. The interactions with uh, Bob Sutton, the, the defensive coordinator on the sidelines, uh, having a verbal having a verbal uh, expletive back and forth with a fan at one point. The uh, immediate interaction he had uh, a couple of times uh, coming off immature. And uh, l- listen, I shared the story about how Marcus Peters was constantly just putting a smile on and signing autographs for fans at the NBA preseason game that was here in Kansas City at the Sprint Center. And I even shared the story on on Facebook and Twitter and even on this podcast. There was an usher that turned four kids away who wanted to go up to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill turned around and, and found out what was going on and told uh, told the usher, hey, let all the kids too, and asked them out to all come back and took selfies with all of those kids and was smiling the entire time. So listen, people want to paint this picture that he's a bad guy. You know, you only see what he does when the cameras are on at uh, – at all these NFL events, whether it's before, after, uh, during the games, you get the idea. You don't see him in his element when he's away from the pads and he's out there, you know, just enjoying life, just watching the basketball game and how he interacts with fans. Of course, there was a lot of talk about how many families he fed during Thanksgiving week, all the charity work he did during Christmas. So if we're going to judge a guy like him uh, just personally and say he's a bad person, well... Look, I don't know if a guy who fed 250 families on Thanksgiving is a bad person necessarily. If you want to really get that critical, well, then let's let's compare notes. How, how many families have you fed on Thanksgiving? And I, I'm not saying I'm able to do a whole lot. I know, of course, my salary is not even as high as his. But uh, even a guy with a rookie contract still, uh, he's going out there doing all these right things in the community. Uh, I do agree that it'd be nice if we saw more mature Marcus Peters. And even when Eric Berry was injured, he was still on all these games and, and he's still talking to uh, Marcus Peters, trying to get him to mature and uh, behave better on the field. Of course, we remember what happened in that Jets game where he threw that flag in the in, in the uh, stands. Uh, the report about him going back and forth with, uh, with a defensive assistant. And I'm only chuckling because I, uh, someone uh, speculated that he told Bob Sutton that his defensive coaching sucks this year. And that's why he got the one-game suspension. I don't know. Who knows, really? But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I'd rather have Marcus Peters on my team than go against him. Uh, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are forgetting about that. Now, looking at the NFL as a whole, let me just start off by saying this. I know this is a bad year for the NFL publicly with the protesting and the national anthem. And I, I still think at the end of the day... I really still believe that a lot of people, and I don't want to get too detailed into this, because we did this before, and I know we don't need to go over it again with all the politics and everything that went into it. Uh, I, I just feel like it needs to be mentioned that I don't think we're listening to one another. We can all disagree and agree on the national anthem and the protesting. You guys know my thoughts. I was not a fan of how they went about it. I think there are other ways to do so. 
but I can understand what they're trying to get at here. Uh, that Washington Redskins game, the Monday Night Football game in Kansas City, Terrell Pryor, a, a Chiefs fan, shouted the N-word at him. And there were a few articles out there uh, on the internet uh, talking about why th- this is one of many reasons why players are protesting. Especially we're seeing a lot of African Americans who are protesting because they find themselves in the middle of these situations because of who they are and their skin color and some of the comments they receive. And people are ignoring that and just focusing on the fact that they are quote-unquote, disrespecting the flag. And all I have to say about this is the people who serve this country, a lot of those people, who, and I think their opinions matter more than ours, they've come to to these players' defense. A lot of them have. In fact, there's that big story about Kaepernick, uh, a a soldier who had uh, encouraged Kaepernick to continue to do what he was doing with his protesting. So they look bad for the NFL on that. Ratings continue to fall. Uh... Of course, CEO of Papa John's, the former CEO now, uh, he definitely was uh, critical of the NFL, blaming his uh, decline in sales on the NFL and the bad publicity they were having. Now, I don't know what the NFL is going to try to do moving forward. I I know Roger Goodell, in the owner meetings, he talked about this at one point in, in detail, trying to find ways to do better in the community, which... I don't know if that's the NFL's job necessarily. I know they can make a big impact because they are the NFL. Listen, even though the ratings have been down, the NFL is still king with the ratings. They, uh, You don't find other events that are more watched than the NFL. And Super Bowl ratings has been reported this week. Uh, it, it, among the last seven years, this is the lowest. But still, uh, I mean, those numbers are very high. You still see the NFL, a lot of people wanting to pay... Uh, to have their commercials on for that big game. So, uh, you know, what what is the NFL going to try to do to try to repair uh, this uh, this PR mess? I, I don't know. That That's something that they have plenty of time to, to, to look into this offseason. Hopefully they can find a way in which players are standing for the anthem and we're honoring those who have served and currently do serve uh the, this country and, and i and i apologize for saying that i know there are a lot of international people and, and, and hey love all the international listeners too um but what i do have to keep in mind we do have a lot of international listeners who do listen to the podcast as well but uh of course you know for those who, who serve the united states you want to be able to respect that for the national anthem so hopefully they can find a way to meet in the middle and, and try to f- help uh find solutions to these things uh and i think that's uh something that uh the nfl is going to try to do um, and hopefully we don't have this whole political clash because nobody wants to see sports and politics clash. A big reason why people get away from the political mess, especially with what you're seeing now on the news, uh, w- with everything going on in the White House and around it, uh, a lot of people want to use sports to just kind of get away from that, not think about things for a few hours and enjoy the sporting event without having to have this pol- political clash. And hopefully we can find a way to get that back sooner rather than later because... A lot of people could not watch the NFL without being upset or thinking about the politics and what the players were doing uh, with their protests. So hopefully that can uh, all come to an end sooner rather than later. Now, as far as what happened in the NFL, uh, a couple of things. Number one, they've got to they've got to figure out this catch no catch deal and several other penalties too, such as interference holding because. 
We see players put their arms up wanting a flag. 50% of the time, it is just them trying to draw a flag. 50% of the other time, I do truly believe that they have a case when they're complaining to the officials about where a flag was or maybe there is a bad bad flag being thrown. Uh, a, A lot of things need to be revisited with officiating in the NFL because it does need improvement. It really does. Another thing I want to get into. Now, this one I mentioned a couple of times, but it is worth discussing again the fact that multiple backup quarterbacks made it to conference championship games the final four of the nfl nick folds case keenum represented the nfc for quarterbacks this this past year blake bortles made it to an afc title game what excuse do we have nowadays in the nfl carson wentz who was a pretty good candidate to win mvp Goes down, and the backup quarterback, Nick Foles, wins Super Bowl MVP. So, really, what excuses are there nowadays for teams? Uh, I mean, everyone will always talk about injuries and you know the, the bad officiating, and that the league is is bending the rules for the Patriots and trying to help them get as far as they can. Well, look, uh, I think we we all just put a squash through that. And another thing I do want to mention: a lot of people are assuming things. Everybody assumed that the Patriots were getting off to a one zero start, and that they were that was going to be the first of sixteen undefeated an undefeated season. Uh, and the Chiefs squashed that the very first night the NFL season opened up. And a lot of people thought the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl. The Patriots were going to face the Steelers in the AFC title game against whoever. Uh, look, we can make our predictions. There, there's a there's a difference between assuming things and predicting things. But assuming things, everybody just assumed it was set in stone that the Patriots and and Steelers were going to represent the AFC in the in the title game, and that the Patriots were going to go and win the Super Bowl. And obviously, none of those things happened. The Steelers didn't make it to the AFC title game. The Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. So, in at the end of the day, we saw a backup Q, QB. Who came in late in the season uh, into a starting role. He won Super Bowl MVP. So this is a very strange year in the NFL. And as we remember a couple of years ago. The Denver Broncos star-studded defense. Helped them win a Super Bowl. After a bad offensive showing from Peyton Manning. We're starting to see nowadays. And I'm not saying uh, Nick Foles played like Peyton Manning. Nick Foles had a tremendous postseason. Especially in that playoff or Super Bowl game. But there aren't a lot of excuses anymore. I think this year, specifically, guys like Nick Foles, the Eagles, Case Keenum, and the Vikings, Blake Bortles, and the Jaguars, they have proved now that there are no excuses. You go out there and you win with this team that you have. Injuries aside, well, look, injuries are part of the sport in a very unforgiving way, but you still find ways to win. I didn't see the Eagles make any excuses when Carson Wentz went down. And look where things were ended up going for them so that is something to keep in mind moving forward I I think this is a big thing in sports and that is something that I think every sports fan's got to consider and uh, listen I I mean injuries suck they really do but uh, there is no more uh, there are no more excuses for these kinds of things anymore a lot to kind of take in here but uh, I, I think those are some of the Big major events 
that took place with the Chiefs and the NFL this year. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash Farzee and Twitter.com slash Farzee21. Like and follow my Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter. You guys can also email me, Farzee at Farzee I do want to spend a couple of minutes just looking at the Chiefs personnel right now because this is going to be a very interesting 2018 season. Now, yes, I just said there are no excuses anymore in the NFL these days, regardless of your roster or the injuries you're dealing with. Well, with Kansas City, there uh, there's an even better reason to succeed in 2018 because you have so many talented players across the board on offense, on defense, and on special teams. Let's start with special teams first. You know Tyreek Hill is going to be back there. Akeem Hunt, he, I, I feel like he did, he did a good job on uh, on kick returns. Harrison Butker, uh, no complaints about him. We, I, I mentioned earlier how great he was. James Winchester, one of the better long snappers in the NFL. You rarely see him make a lot of mistakes and throw a lot of bad snaps. Uh, the biggest one, Dustin Colquitt. I feel like he's been kind of an above-average punter, maybe a little... Uh, overpraised here in Kansas City. I know he was jokingly the MVP for a while in 2008 and 2009 during the bad years for the Chiefs, but uh, let's not forget about his holding abilities too. Uh, some punters do the holding gigs, uh, some backup quarterbacks do it, and Dustin Colquitt has always done a great job with that. You rarely see bad holds from him. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the contract negotiations are going to be like and what Dustin Colquitt's asking for, how much interest he has in staying here. This is, of course, a different regime, so uh, the uh, the activity in all of this is going to be very interesting, but having Dustin Colquitt back, I think, would be very important for uh, what he does as a punter and as a holder. Definitely holds a lot of value for this franchise and would love to see him back here in Kansas City. Defensively speaking, not a lot of free agents here. The only starter that is set to hit free agency is Benny Logan, the nose tackle for the Chiefs, who didn't necessarily do a good job in his first and only year after spending four years in Philadelphia and didn't really help out the Chiefs a whole lot against the run. And that is an area where they struggled immensely and definitely need to find ways to improve on that for 2018. Now, of course, we know about, and again, not official yet, and I'm only saying that because of what happened with the Josh McDaniel situation, but uh, the Chiefs are expected to add Kendall Fuller to the roster. They currently do have Darrell Revis on the team as well as Marcus Peters. Now, Peters expected to stay on the team, but Darrell Revis is kind of an interesting one. Didn't have a very good season when he was with the Chiefs for the time being, for the short time being, but could a full off season with uh, a past defensive coordinator of his, Bob Sutton, maybe change the way he plays and how he performs in the future with the Chiefs? Maybe that's a possibility. Optimistically speaking, uh, in a world where we live in a we live in an era where the the passing game is is emphasized a lot. We are in a pass heavy league right now, so you can never have enough defensive backs. The idea of Marcus Peters, Darrell Rivas, uh, Kendall Fuller, and again, I think th- this could be why maybe the Chiefs keep Rivas. You have Rivas and Peters as your starters, and then you have Fuller, who again was the best rated slot cornerback last year and the sixth best cornerback by Pro Football Focus. Maybe you still have those guys, and that's why Fuller will remain in that slot corner position and will eventually move on to a number one or a number two later. You've got Eric Berry coming back. You've got Ron Parker, who is an underrated safety. Daniel Sorensen, who contributed quite a lot, especially filling in for Eric Berry in his absence and did a lot to try to help this football team. Wasn't great 
a lot of the times, but also wasn't bad a lot of the times either. Uh, kind of an up-and-down safety for the Chiefs, and I think he's someone who uh, can, can do some good things while in rotation for the Chiefs uh, with Eric Berry and Ron Parker back there in the secondary. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on for the future. Offensively, Zach Fulton, going to be interesting to see what where things go with him, especially after the Mitch Morse injury. He did a good job playing center for the Chiefs when his name was called. And he is set to be a free agent this offseason, as is Anthony Sherman. And Kansas City's been very fortunate with fullbacks, Kendall Ambers, Tony Richardson, Mike Cox, and now Anthony Sherman. A lot of great fullbacks over the years. And Anthony Sherman's definitely a guy you want to keep on your team. He's done a great job opening up holes and paving the way for guys like Jamal Charles and now Kareem Hunt. Spencer Ware, Chuck Kendrick Wessing for a little bit. So you definitely want to have Anthony Sherman back on this football team. One of the best fullbacks in the NFL right now. And has been for the past couple of years. You know about the three-headed monster. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt. Three great guys that Patrick Mahomes will have to work with. Patrick Mahomes is entering an offensive system that, as I mentioned earlier, three players on the offense. A wide receiver, a tight end, and a running back amass for 1,000 yards in the season. You That's only happened twice in NFL history. The Chiefs were one of them. Offensive line, some good, some bad. I, I, I mentioned Fulton, uh, Duvernay Tardif, uh, or Laurent Duvernay Tardif, excuse me. Uh, I think he's a very underrated guard. Mitchell Schwartz, a very good right tackle. What did make the all-pro team this year, Brian Witzman, uh, could definitely go without him. Hopefully, Parker Inneker can return to uh, to, to the offensive scheme and, and be a big part of this football team on the offensive line. Eric Fisher's the big one. Uh, I believe he's making more than $13 million with the Chiefs for 2018. At least that's his cap number. And he just has not been a very consistent offensive lineman. He really hasn't. Uh, there were some times where he's looked like a Pro Bowl left tackle, and sometimes where he hasn't. And the Chiefs have got to figure out what they want to do. This is a bad contract that John Dorsey gave him. No word uh, if there's a way to restructure that or what the repercussions of that would be, how much of that they would have to give back depending on postseason success. But it, it is a situation the Chiefs are stuck with and an unfortunate one because Eric Fisher just hasn't necessarily, and I know that was not a good draft class, but Eric Fisher just hasn't been a very good Offensive lineman for the Chiefs since he's come here to Kansas City. And at least that has not been very consistent in that area. I know I ended this on kind of a sadder note. But for the most part, this is an offense that has a lot of talent across the board. And a defense that, you know, took a step back. But if they can... If Bob Sutton can do things better this year as a coach. This defense is going to go back on track and be one of the better defense that's been known for takeaways, and sacks for the past couple of years. So that remains to be seen. Of course, special teams, never forget that. It's always a big part of the the game. It's just not coveted as much and discussed as much when it should be. And Kansas City can definitely do some damage on special teams. Whenever the Chiefs could, offense could not finish certain drives, especially in the red zone, Harrison Butker was always there to cap off the drive with at least some sort of a score to allow the Chiefs to get on the scoreboard and keep adding on at, at times. So definitely want to make sure you have an eye on that as well. And hopefully Dustin Cole could come back to uh, the fold and be part of this franchise for a couple of more seasons. Let me know your guys' thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzinevesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevesugian.com. 
Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Last week, I did talk about Tom Brady and how I know a lot of people may not like him, especially with some of the controversy that he's been surrounded by with the Flategate and uh, Spygate and, and the fact that he's been on, on some great teams and there's been some jealousy. In that. And I mentioned to people, you know, appreciate Tom Brady while he's here because, you know, th- this could have been his last game. Uh, maybe he's got one more year left. And I think a couple of years after Brady's retirement, I think that's when he's going to be appreciated the most for what he's brought to this game. Yes, because of his greatness, he's always going to be the guy that you want your team to be able to beat. And, you know, as Chiefs fans, we've seen the Chiefs just massacre this Patriots team, not once, but twice in recent memory. And it became the biggest headline out there in sports for a couple of days. And uh, as a Chiefs fan, that was certainly fun to see. Now, as we all know, in the long term, that didn't go positively for the Chiefs, whereas the Patriots eventually made it to the Super Bowl both times. But at the same time, uh, you know, I still think that people are not showing the respect that Brady really deserves. A lot of, I'm seeing a lot of people out there say that he's overrated and he lost to Carson Wentz. A lot of haters out there are saying that he is one good defensive play away from the opposing team. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Brady, with one possible defensive play, should easily be 0-8 in Super Bowl. And that, you know, a couple luck, lucky moments here and there, Tom Brady's 8-0 in Super Bowls. Listen, he's he's 5-3. Uh, he's had some games that have come down to the wire. Of course, the probably the most luckiest one was the interception uh, from Malcolm Butler against the Seahawks. A lot of people thought Seattle had that one in the bag, but called the wrong play, and Malcolm Butler was at the right place at the right time. Uh, as far as uh, bad luck for Brady, I mean, of course, the the David Tyree catch. Never forget about that. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the Super Bowl this past week. Uh, just how gutsy Doug Peterson and the Eagles were throwing a touchdown pass to their own backup quarterback. Uh, just doing things like that. Things like that. Uh, you know, it, it was, all, of course, fun to watch, but... People are saying that with uh, if other teams could have executed certain plays better in, in the Super Bowl losses, or Super Bowl wins, rather, from Brady's perspective, against the Eagles, um, against the Rams, had he been able to be better in those situations, that Brady would have uh, less Super Bowl, or if he made uh, the defense made mistakes, excuse me, he'd be 0-8 in Super Bowls. And I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. It really is. Because... You could easily say that the Royals should have zero business winning the 2015 World Series because they had to rally really hard against the Astros in that um, in that Game Four on the road. Hey, look, uh, games sports are always crazy, and things when, when they come down to the wire, you have to prove your ability in being clutch. And Brady did that more times than not in the Super Bowl. So let's not forget about that either. One other thing with Andrew Luck, I do want to mention this. I said I'd get into this. NBC Sports had a uh, headline that said his status remains, quote, a head-scratcher. And this kind of reminds you of Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes, of course, was out for a couple of years for the Chiefs and felt like longer than that. But 
eventually came back and just was not the same player he once was. And I'm wondering if Andrew Luck follows a very similar path to Priest Holmes. Out of action for a very long time, didn't perform very well the last time he played, and kind of makes you wonder, uh, how confident are the Indianapolis Colts? Maybe Josh McDaniels, he heard something about Andrew Luck and decided to back out, but not that it's right by all means, but as far as Andrew Luck goes, uh, things are not going well with him right now. The whole suck for luck campaign, that was cool and all, but doesn't seem like that's worth it a whole lot, especially the the fact that he hasn't even been to a Super Bowl yet. Uh, I'll say this right now, and I don't know if this happens. Maybe I'll have a better prediction about this down the road. Surely I left out some scouts coming to talk about this because I think that would be a very interesting topic, but I think the Indianapolis Colts will seriously consider drafting a quarterback. It's not just a quarterback. I'm not talking about someone in the fifth or sixth rounds. I'm talking somebody in the first or second rounds. I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to consider taking a quarterback with their first or second pick in the NFL draft this year. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think it could be considered heavily by Chris Ballard and the rest of the Colts front office. Let's go out of bounds. As you guys know, it was National Signing Day this past week for college football. And there's one player out there whose name, Jacob Copeland, who uh, a great talented wide receiver. I believe the fifth uh, best wide receiver uh, among all high school players in the country. He was expected to pick between Alabama, Florida, and FSU. He is from Florida, so of course you notice the two Florida schools that are mentioned here. And while he was on stage, and listen, the, the whole signing day thing, it's really changed a lot with how players are sitting with the contract in front of them with all of these hats and they uh, and make their announcement live on ESPN. I spoke to Wayne Simeon, uh, former KU guard, about this, and, and he, he's not a big fan of how much these things have changed for college sports in which now they're on ESPN or ESPNU making these announcements, trying to make it a big spectacle which it never was like this before. But uh, Jacob Copeland, he is uh, sitting behind the microphone and a a few hats with his family, surrounding a family and coaches, close friends. His mother and uh, another lady have Alabama sweaters on. And there's another female who is part of the the circle. She has a red dress on. And I'm guessing that's in favor of, of... Copeland possibly picking Alabama. Copeland picks up the Florida Gators hat and announces that he's going to go to Florida. His mother looks at him multiple times in disgust like she's shocked. She walks up, uh, gets her purse, and leaves. And uh, the ESPN uh, anchor is asking who just left, why did they leave? And uh, you have a couple of people trying to console Copeland, trying to get him to be comfortable because they, they hear his responses to the questions. They know that he's being asked about his mom. Uh, listen, uh, I mean, these guys, they're they're young. Uh, they're making uh, decisions uh, for themselves. Uh, but a lot of times they're probably listening to other adults out there. There are 17, 18, 19-year-old kids who may not be in position to fully make uh, decisions on their own. And listen, uh, I don't know why the family felt that he was going to be high on, on picking Alabama, but uh, good for him. If he felt like he disagreed with his parents, his mom specifically, and felt the need to go a different direction, 
listen, uh, it, it's not easy to make decisions at at 18 years old when you're the senior in high school, but uh, you've got to start doing it at some point. You've got to get out of that shell and start making these kinds of big decisions, and Jacob Copeland did just that. Went against his parents. I mean, look, the guy's going to be playing college football. His tuition is covered. He's going to go to a great school in Florida. Uh, so it's not like, and listen, Alabama, sure, they're, they're great, but that doesn't mean you're going to win a championship every year. Maybe you can develop into a great pro football player later on, uh, but who's to say that cannot happen in Florida either? So, uh, listen, props to Copeland uh, for him on this decision, and shame on his mother, the way she acted, trying to make it more about her and not picking Alabama uh, rather than supporting his son in the process. I think that's an important thing to have uh, in all of this, and that's something she did not show to her son in this one, and that's just very unfortunate to see uh to see happen really so especially for Copeland to be in that situation one other thing I want to mention uh, in light of the whole Alex Reamer drama that's been taking place the past week and a half uh, a lot of people are talking about you know if, if Tom Brady did not want this don't show his family on there and I disagree because look you can talk about someone's kids and say oh well here's Tom Brady's daughter uh, shows the relationship Brady's taking her to practice just like a normal dad out there uh, it's just when you make that moronic comment that Alex Reamer did, which he was rightfully suspended for, uh, those are the Adelaide things that you just disagree with, and uh, there's no room for that. Now, there's a scene in Brady's documentary in another episode where he is shown kissing his son on the lips, and then this reignited that, that whole debate about showing your kids out in the public spotlight and, and you know, what you do. Listen... This is just, I think, blown way out of proportion. Brady's not the first public male figure to kiss his son on the lips. We've seen this before on TV, before in other outlets. Maybe because he's Tom Brady, it's a major deal. I don't know. But I think this is all being blown way out of proportion. These are just kids. He's simply being a father. He's being around these kids. I think we're getting way too caught up in a guy just because one guy in Boston on the radio made a stupid comment doesn't mean we have to blow everything out of proportion when it comes to a celebrity and the fact that he is showing his kid out there in the public spotlight. I mean, what do you want him to do? Keep him in a in the house locked up forever and just be homeschooled the rest of his life? I, I don't know. I, I, I think we, we always want to see these guys be human like us. And when we end up seeing that side of them, people then start to complain. People are going to complain for anything, no matter what nowadays, but I think we've got to understand we can't have a double standard with all of these things. He's simply being a dad, and I think people are making too big of a deal out of nothing. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. This is comical. I don't know how this happens, but on National Signing Day, Wednesday morning, the University of Missouri's athletic department was informed that its Twitter account was suspended on National Signing Day. Not sure how this happens, but especially when social media is an important thing, you you cannot let your Twitter account get hacked or suspended the way it did. Uh, look, folks, it's 2018. Have your password secure. Know what you're doing. Trust the people that you have controlling your account. Because when you have something like this happens, it looks bad. And look, as a KU fan, I think it's kind of funny too. So that deserves to be on the penalty flag segment. 
going back to the Super Bowl just a moment. Uh, this, listen, Philadelphia fans, you deserve this. This is your first ever Super Bowl. But be classy. Come on. I, I mean, the hydraulic fluid, that's comical because that, that ultimately failed. But man, I, I've just seen all these riot videos, and I'm sure there are a lot I have not seen. But I've seen people burning things, flipping cars, and celebrating and doing so. Uh, just running up to random people behind them and just shoving them to the ground. Uh, this is not a celebration. I mean, this is like uh, this is like the movie The Purge. Or, uh, I mean, if you see the aftermath, it looks like an episode of uh, the scene of The Walking Dead. Uh, something like that. Be a little classy about this. I mean, you won the Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of... Listen, Kansas City, and I give people in Kansas City a major props here because 800,000 people showed up downtown and, according to Casey Police, only four arrests were made. That's pretty impressive for a crowd of 800,000. You can never have a crowd like that and expect everyone to be civil and cool. There are going to be a couple of rowdy people out there who who police are going to have to get involved and in, in detained, but to have it just be at fours is a really good thing. I mean, that's something that the city should be proud of. But other cities, come on. Uh, this this is just ridiculous. Flipping cards. Like, what do you even gain out of this? Nothing. Final one from me. I was going to do this last week. I said, uh, let me give it one more week. But Eric Hosmer, why has he not signed? He's reportedly received a seven-year, $140 million offer from the Padres. The Royals reportedly matched that. And now there are reports that he wants a couple of more years on the deal. This is a guy who's getting seven years, $140 million. I don't know why it's taking him so long to sign. Uh, if you told me Mustakis and Hosmer were going to be still free agents after the first week of February, I was going to say there's absolutely no way. But like I said earlier on in the show, you don't assume things, folks. And I'm not sure what exactly Hosmer could be asking for. But man, uh, that that price tag right there, essentially making what? $20 million a year? Uh, man, I, I don't know what a guy like Eric Hosmer could really ask for in, in which he feel like, feels like he deserved more than $20 million. Seven years is a long time. That's a long time. Uh, you don't see those kinds of contracts anymore nowadays. Uh, maybe every now and then, but very far and few in between. Uh, Hosmer needs to just take a deal. Uh, pick a team, either the Padres or the Royals. Choose who you think is best for you. Obviously, a lot of people in KC wanted to stay, but just just pick a team already. $140 million. I mean, that's a lot of money. And for him to still be a free agent, something something wrong is going. Either these reports are inaccurate or Hosmer is not being very easy to, uh, to work with. It's got to be one of those two. Because I can't imagine getting an offer like that from two teams and not signing. I just don't see how that's possible. Let me know your thoughts on anything on this podcast. Uh, Anything you heard, facebook.com slash farzinvesugian, twitter.com slash farzine21. You guys can also email me, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. And by the way, this podcast is coming out a little bit late. uh, And uh, it's now uh, being reported that the Chiefs are expected to release Darrell Revis. So some of the things we talked about earlier, uh, just not necessarily the most realistic situation. I know it was kind of wishful thinking on my part. 
uh, a more optimistic point of view on that. But seems like Kendall Fuller, uh, the Chiefs trust him to the point where they feel like he should be a number two cornerback in the NFL. So all the highlights he had as a slot cornerback, now he's going to be tested. And Steven Nelson, very good slot cornerback a couple of years ago. Didn't do very good this past season and uh, kind of had a setback. So hopefully uh, Kendall Fuller has a different path taking on that number two role as a cornerback opposite of Marcus Peters, which should be a very fun cornerback duo to watch. I think this really does have the potential to be an Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris type of duo still at the end of the day. So should be very interesting to see. All right, end of the podcast here. And I promise you guys this is something I wanted to open up about personally, something I wanted to share with all of you guys uh, my weight loss. A lot of you guys uh, have had questions about this. A lot of you guys have sent a lot, uh, some questions. A lot of them really the same thing in which a lot of people are asking, how did you do it? So I'll get into all of that in just a moment. But uh, I, I think I need to share just my journey to that point because it is, it's is—it's been kind of an uphill battle for me and kind of an up and down, uh, kind of a roller coaster uh, path too for me because... For a long time, I've been wanting to lose weight, and uh, it, it was just very hard for me to do. And I remember a long time ago, I was interning at Sports Radio A10, and there was a guy named Coach K. I don't know, I'm not too familiar with Union Station's broadcasting on their schedule as much. Um, I, I don't listen to a lot of local radio versus national radio. I listen more, more of the national stuff. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think they have them anymore, but there used to be a guy on uh, 1510, the sister station for A10, uh, it called, uh, Co- uh, the host was coach K. It was once a week. It was some sort of a health and nutrition show. And he would come on as a guest on Kevin Keatsman's show. And I remember when interning uh, at, uh, at a 10, uh, coach K came in for, uh, for a hit, uh, his weekly hit. And he talked about how a lot of people do a great job of working out, but then they reward themselves by eating too much. And that is something I did for a very long time and was very ignorant. Hey, listen, you know, you, you see a delicious cookie there or a cheesecake you gotta have it i mean it's a it's talking to you it's talking straight at you trust me i've been there so i have carelessly ate for a long time while working out i I always wondered you know why am i still at this way why am i not seeing a difference in my body and i knew why i i really did and i think the the toughest thing is uh when it comes to trying to get in shape People are not honest with themselves, and I was one of those people wondering why am I not seeing any progress. Well, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, essentially. So, what I did in uh, I, when I was a, a, a student at KU, my senior year, I came back home for the holidays, and my parents got me a, a month membership uh, for uh, Lifetime Fitness, which is close to where we lived, and. When I came home for for the holidays for Christmas, it was it was one month long, and they had some Lifetime Fitness had these nice deals for college students who are back home for the holidays or for the summer. So I always took advantage of that, and uh, I went every single day except for Christmas Day and New Year's, and started working out consistently and started eating right. I quit drinking soda. As a matter of fact, uh, four years ago, uh, at the beginning of this month. Was the last time I uh, I drank soda, and I feel like that's been a big part of my change. So uh, I think it was mid December I came home, and then on February first I stepped on the scale and I weighed in. Uh, I went from two hundred fifteen pounds 
to 199, and I got to as low as 195. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL during the spring after that, uh, and eventually had uh, surgery after the summer in the fall. I didn't want to have surgery in, during the summer. Uh, I wanted to push it back a little bit, and I had it uh, after graduation, a couple of years uh, or a couple of months rather after graduation from KU. And uh, unfortunately, and this is a horrible excuse, but I was so stressed out because I was that guy. That I, I mean, with the torn ACL after the after the surgery, you have to pretty much sit you can't do anything you've got to sit down for pretty much the entire weekend I had it on a Thursday and I really did nothing but watch football in in, like in misery uh while just laying down and needing help uh to to get up and move around a little bit those first couple days are are rough but after a while you're able to, to move a little bit more on your own you start gaining some of that mobility a little bit but I could not work out uh I couldn't lift things I I couldn't move around much uh, so I, 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 I said, I really had to be lazy and I'm one of those people like I have to be productive even on a lazy Sunday. I, I have to be doing something and listen, we all deserve one of those lazy weekends every now and then, especially for someone, uh, who works as much as I do, uh, every once in a while you do, you deserve to have the, the week off from work, uh, just stay home and relax. I mean, everyone deserves that every now and then, but, uh, I mean that, that, that to, to, Relax because of your knee. I mean that that was just a horrible experience for me. It, it, it just it really just sucked the life out of me, and all I could do was just lay down for a couple of days, and that really sucked. And even after that, you know, I, I still couldn't do much, and the, the stress got to me. I started eating a lot, so I gained a lot of that that weight back, which was pretty embarrassing and really horrible. Uh, I relost it the summer of twenty sixteen. But then, for whatever reason, I got lazy again and could not stay consistent with it. So at this point, I, I'm realizing, you know, I, I know what to do, uh, but I, I'm not able to hold on to it. Losing weight's the easy part. Holding on to that is a very difficult thing. Then again, it was the same thing: 215 pounds, and then I dropped to 195, 200 around that area. And I, and I, even at 195, I still wanted to go down even more. So uh, I, I really wanted to make an effort to be patient. And do it right. So what I did this time, on August 1st, uh, I was 220 uh, on August 1st. And from that point on, I really was cautious about what I ate and being very consistent with my exercise. And if you haven't, I've said this word several times, consistency is huge. The other important word is patience. And listen, I'm not a very patient guy. When I want to get something done, I've got to get it done right away. Uh, but when you, when there's, when it's something like getting in shape, you've got to be very patient. A lot of people want to lose 10 pounds, five pounds in one week. And that is absolutely not realistic unless you just completely starve yourself. If you just fast and for the whole week, which is not a very healthy way of, of going about it, obviously. So don't do that. I mean, you've got to eat. And, uh, I, I do want to share a quote from Michael Bisping, who uh, the, is the former UFC middleweight champion. He uh, t- currently is tied with George St. Pierre for most wins in UFC history. And he said something very interesting where he'll eat, you know, he'll eat smart during the weekdays. And then on the weekends, uh, he, he'll eat whatever he wants. You know, if he wants a piece of pie, or if he wants a couple of cookies, he'll have it. He'll enjoy it. If he wants a few pizzas, a cheeseburger, whatever, you know, Taco Bell, you name it. He'll he'll have those things unless he is training for a fight. And I've kind of followed that role a little bit. You know, I'll 
I'll eat smart during the week, but on the weekends, you know, when you when you go out with your friends, you have a beer, maybe you you, you eat something nice on the dessert on the dessert menu or something from home, something from the grocery store that you really like that you're craving. So I started following that model a little bit, and I started to notice a big difference. I was two twenty, two nineteen, two eighteen. 215, 205, I mean, you name it. I started going down gradually. And uh, next thing I knew, I was under 200, which I was happy about once again. But I wanted to keep going below. And I got to the point where I was under 200, 195, uh, 190. And for the first time ever in my adult life, I was under 190. I was 189, 188, and so on and so forth. And I dropped all the way to as low as 183. I was 184 this morning, so I've gained a pound, uh, but I mean, I, I've come a long way, 37 pounds since August 1st, uh, which, you know, th- th- that's something that, not very easy, but again, six months, not many people are willing to be patient for six months, and that's the that's the biggest thing, consistency and patience, and the other thing is determination. Uh, everyone is capable of losing weight and getting in shape, it's just you've got to to really put your mind into it. A lot of people want to do it. They say they want to do it, but they don't put forth the effort. And you've got to be determined in order to make it happen. Now, as far as details, what I've done specifically, let me just say this. I cannot lift a whole lot. I really don't. Dumbbell-wise, I'm lifting 30, 35 pounds, and I've got no issues with that. Uh, I'd like to improve on that down the road, but I'm not looking to be very muscular by all means. I've added some some muscle on me, which something I've been wanting to do for a while, and, and that's been great for me and that's also that can also be a big factor in helping you uh kill the fat and turn that into muscle and, and lose a lot of weight there but cardio is a very important one uh I, i'd go i now listen you, you you can't do this right away now what i'm doing i go 20 minutes on the treadmill 20 minutes on the on the stationary bike but in the very beginning uh i went for about 10 minutes you've got to a lot of people want to go for 20 30 minutes and that's doable but not right away so if you're somebody that doesn't work out, you cannot go 20 to 30 minutes on the elliptical or on the treadmill. It's you're you're going to gas out and you're you're going to be too tired to want to get get up the next morning. So uh, go gradually about it. If you're if you do, if you only work out once a week or once a month, start by going 5-10 minutes a day and then after a week, add 5 more minutes to your to your cardio work. Whether again, try to do, uh, try to mix it up too, but do different things. I know a lot of people just want to do maybe the the stationary bike or just the treadmill, but do different things at different times. Kind of mixes it up. You have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, sometimes do two different ones a day if you so choose. So, and again, as far as I'm, I'm lucky enough. I have a home gym, but the only money you guys have to put into any of this, if you don't have a home gym or if your neighborhood doesn't have a, a recreation center or anything or your workplace doesn't offer that, uh, then you just got to sign up for a gym membership somewhere nearby. So do that. That's the only one you got to put down. And I've got to tell you, uh, someone mentioned this on the Facebook page. Uh, Walter said, uh, you know, you look great, and I bet you feel better mentally and physically. And let me just say the mentally part, uh, I, certainly so. I, I feel a lot better phys- just physically, of course, but mentally too, you feel a lot smarter. You feel more confident in yourself. And I, I'll admit this too. You end up picking up little more ladies when you're out and about on a Friday night. You really do. I, I've noticed that change as well. I'm not kidding when I say that. So uh, it, it's really been great for various reasons. And of course, like I've been saying this for a while now. I really do think as people, 
we owe it to ourselves to to physically be in the best shape possible. I know a lot of people will make every excuse to not want to go work out. You know, oh, you had a long day of work and you're tired. Well, go to the gym and, and clear that tiredness up. Clear that up a little bit. Oh, I'm just having a bad day. I don't want to go to the gym. Well, the gym is the best way to let out your frustration. Go out there and it's really the best stress reliever. It really is. So people will find all these reasons to not want to work out. And I think those reasons to not work out, they're actually great reasons to to go to the gym and work out. So uh, these are some things. And again, I think as a society, it's really tough for people to be able to make that that effort to to meet their goals when it comes to being in shape physically. So if anything, I hope this has helped a lot of you guys out there. Trust me, I mean, I've always been that guy. I've looked at a lot of people, their before and after after pictures, and I've always thought, why can't that be me? I'm never going to get there. So listen, I, I just from me as a guy who took a long time to really get it and understand it and finally be consistent with it, not only meet my goals, but also stay there and attain them. If I can do it, so can you guys. You've got to be patient, though. They, I, I see a lot of people, they... Don't lose the 5, 10 pounds in the one week, again, which is not very healthy to do. When they don't see 10 pounds off the scale, they just give up. And patience is a huge part of it. And trust me, you're going to notice it. You're going to notice a difference after a couple of weeks, a couple of months eventually. But you've got to be patient and you've got to keep at it. And, and that's the one thing that I think people uh, just don't seem to have is patience when they want to meet their goals when it comes to being in good shape and being healthy. And if you guys have any questions about this, please feel free to hit me up. I'm more than happy to help anybody that had similar struggles like me and is wanting to meet their goals. Uh, again, you you do owe it to yourself. You only have one life, and live it for as long as you can. And if you are in good shape, if you're healthy, you're going to live a long time. And I think everybody does deserve that. So hit me up if you ever have a question. If you want to talk to me privately, well, hey, hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com. Send me a message on there. You guys can also interact with me on Twitter. You guys can also send me an email, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. I hope this has helped you guys and inspired anybody that if you want, if you have goals and you and you want to meet them, or if you if you if you didn't have goals before and now you want to, hopefully this helped you guys. If this helps one person only, hey, I, as long as it helps somebody, I'm very happy about that. So if you guys do so, hey, let me know your progress on all that. That'd be very cool to see. And would definitely love to help anybody out there that has any questions or concerns, something that they want to know uh, when it comes to losing weight and trying to get in better shape. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. A lot to go over here on this podcast. Anything you guys want to ask me, whether it's my weight loss or if you guys want to comment about anything regarding any of the topics we discussed with the Chiefs, with the NFL, on this episode of the Chiefs Town Podcast, you guys know the social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Like and follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Check out my work at arrowheadaddict.com. I'll talk about a potential surprise cut for the Chiefs later this week. So be sure you follow my work as well as other writers' work over at arrowheadaddict.com. And don't forget the email, Farzine at Farzine Subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy it. Share it on social media. If you know anybody that's also wanting to get in shape and needs uh, to know some of this information, share this episode with them. Let them know about it. Share the Chiefs All Podcast online. Once again, big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Enjoy your weekend. First weekend without football. Not sure how I'm going to feel about that, but it'll be the first weekend in a long time without. 
college or pro football. And gotta find something else to do. Nonetheless, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you guys next week.